welcome to episode three of the Patriot Game podcast. I'm Lee, and with me as always are Martin and Amber with this beautiful new haircut and Pierce in Ireland's capital, Dublin. We're extremely delighted to introduce an absolute Celtic legend who had the honour of captain Celtic from 1987 to 2002. He famously holds the distinction of being the captain of the side that stopped the old coach hopes of 10 in a row. Cap 72 tens for his country, playing in three major tournaments. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Tom Boyd. Tom, welcome to the show. How's things going? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, going well uh, now that we're able to start to move about a little bit um, uh, and uh, see different sites rather than just uh, the back garden uh, as it is. So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's looking better uh, as is our team uh, performances uh, in the last couple of games. Great stuff, great stuff. So just we're going to jump straight in there, Tom, and we're going to bring it all the way back to the start of your career, where you um, where you joined Motherwell. How did that all come about? Um, I joined Motherwell because um, I was at Celtic Boys Club and I wasn't uh, signed uh, on a S form, uh, and so I, I, there was a, a I got a trial match uh, at, at Motherwell and Frank Corner was there watching. It was an assistant to Jock Wallace at Motherwell, and uh, and I signed. I'm still at school, sixteen uh, year old, seventeen year old, and so I signed S form with Motherwell. Uh, it was S form for a couple of years, and then. The only thing that was available for me was a YTS. Uh, and so in the YTS, um, I signed uh, in 1983, I believe, uh, and I signed up for a year. And on that, 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 within that year, I was playing first team football uh, for Motherwell. Jock Wallace had left to go to Rangers. Frank Connor had left to go to Celtic. Uh, and uh, Bobby Watson was a manager. Motherwell weren't doing too well that season. Um, and towards the end of it, around about, well, February, time, um, March time that uh, I managed to, to get into the team, uh, I think basically because they weren't doing that well so uh, that's where it all started uh, my career away back uh, 1983 was uh, my, my first professional season and I made my debut in, uh, of 84 Unbelievable and then obviously with Motherwell you were, did you end up being successful? Uh, yes, my, obviously my, my last game for Motherwell was um, uh, the cup final in 1991. Um, I left and went to uh, Chelsea. Um, but Motherwell were struggling, I think, for quite a bit. And they were um, not a part-time team. There was a few full-time players, but there was quite a few part-time players. And it was only when uh, Tom and McLean came in uh, that they changed uh, the whole ethos of the club and Tommy wanted the club to become full-time. I was starting to get rid of the part-time players. And I think eventually Tommy's impact uh, with the players he bought made Muddle a, a decent force um, with, the, with the players that come in uh, and obviously losing players like myself. Brought in guys like David Cooper, who was tremendous for the club. Uh, Bobby Russell, guys of quality um, that uh, you know enhanced the, the team and helped the team. Um, uh, and obviously I left and Muddle continued to be strong. In fact, I think even on occasion finished second in the league. Uh, whilst I was at Celtic. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they, they grew in strength at that time and uh, became better. And that was the impact that Tom McLean had. It uh, was a decent, very decent manager. Sorry. And then from there, Tom, you moved on to Chelsea from Motherwell? Yes. Um, I moved to Chelsea. I had a couple of offers to leave um, before the semi final, um, which was against Celtic, if you remember. There was a replay, Motherwell beat uh, Celtic 4th uh, 2 in the replay. Um, and uh, before that semi-final, I had a chance to, I spoke to Brian Clough uh, down at Nottingham Forest. Um, but in speaking to Brian, a wee story there, but um, in speaking to Brian, I didn't feel that was the right move for me. So I stayed till the end of the season. Uh, and then the option to go to Chelsea was, um, I thought was, going away because the, the manager that I was speaking to was a guy called Bobby Campbell uh, and he had all these plans for me and who the team was going to be or the players that was going to be playing alongside. He left uh, just before the end of the season uh, and so I thought that the, the move to Chelsea was up in the air but uh, the director at the time, was, uh, or the, the owner, the chairman, uh, was a guy called Ken Bates. And the assistant manager was a uh, caretaker manager was a guy called Gwyn Williams. Uh, they continued with my my signing, uh, and so I, I, I was joining Chelsea in 1991 after the cup final, 
so uh, it was a, a big move for myself. Um, the new man that came in was uh, a guy, which probably a lot of you all know, Ian Porterfield, whose claim to fame was scoring the winning goal for Sunderland against Leeds, I believe, in 1973 in the FA Cup. Um, uh, also managed, I think, Aberdeen, uh, almost quite a few teams, I think, he managed this. So he took over. Um, so, yeah, that was that was how I got to Chelsea. I thought it wasn't going to happen, uh, but thankfully uh, it did uh, for myself. Were you glad that you took that sort of leap of faith in yourself and tried to test yourself down in England? Did you find a difference in the, the standard or the, the players that you were playing with? Well, certainly the players that I played with, um, uh, the better quality. Uh, I, 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 I was desperate to leave Muddle, um, not because I didn't I don't like Muddle, I love Muddle in terms of giving them a start and, and thanking them for, for what they gave me, but I think the time is right. Financially, um, I was probably the worst paid player at, at the club, or, or joint worst paid player at the club, because of the conditions that were set around it. Um, and I was a captain. I, I'd just become a, a, a Scottish internationalist as well. Uh, and so financially, I had to leave, um, yeah. whether it be to a, a, another club in Scotland or, or whether, as you say, more likely it would have been. I, I didn't know of any interest uh, uh, from Scotland. Uh, I know there was rumours at Celtic at the time, but um, uh, I don't think, uh, I don't know if there was anything uh, substantial in that. Um, but uh, obviously, they moved to England. Yeah, the, obviously, the championship as it was in the first division, I think it would have been away back then. Uh, you wouldn't be old enough to remember that before the Premiership, I think, a way back and look at it. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it was um, a way back then that um, I, I just decided whoever came in, there was thankfully a, a couple of teams, as I said, I was talking to before the semi final. I think Leeds was another one. Um, and uh, the, the Chelsea thing came about. It could have been MD um, in the league or whatever. I just uh, knew it was time to leave Muddle. Um, there's a few things, reasons for that. Um, I was getting married very soon and stuff, and obviously it set up my, my, for my family uh, eventually. Um, so that was that was a key reason. But obviously, football-wise, um, massive, massive challenge. Uh, it was a great challenge to get down to the, the top league in England. It wasn't what it is just now with the Premiership and the players they had. There's some fantastic players there. Um, um, with the teams that they had to be back, you know, Man United, I think, were very strong, Arsenal and stuff like that. So yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a great challenge, um, a, a short, fleeting challenge, um, but uh, a great challenge as well for myself. How did you find your time in London? Did you enjoy it as a city or the club itself? Or well, didn't stay in London. Only sort of went there for uh, match days. You know, we were in the outskirts, South Stadiums, uh, Buckinghamshire. Um, with, um, which was about 40 minutes from uh, London, the, the Stamford Bridge, as, as it was. And the training ground was just outside as well, which was just at Heathrow, London London Airport. Um, and uh, so didn't really get into that. And then that kind of scene, and I was more a family man, a, a, a wee lad coming to Motherwell, um, and wasn't really interested in the nightlife, you know, so I tried to dedicate myself to football, as, as footballers should be doing, and now that I never went astray at all uh, so just let me get those facts right <laughs> and you wouldn't see me drunk at all um, obviously in the days before social media but um, it's uh, yeah I, I, I enjoyed my time it was a fresh challenge a new challenge um, I just got married as well um, within the space of winning the cup uh, signing for Chelsea and get married was always in the space of a couple of weeks um, so it was a very hectic time for myself and obviously the new challenge of playing for a club um, which was going okay. Chelsea weren't um, the team that they are now and, and sort of well, struggling a wee bit, I think, at times. But uh, in terms of the money that they had, uh, comparative to what uh, a Chelsea has now. Um, and there were uh, some very good players, excellent players. Paul Elliott had just joined, left Celtic to join Chelsea. Uh, guys like Andy Townsend um, were, were in the team. Dennis Wise, Vinnie Jones, I think, joined at the same time as myself. Um, but Kerry Dixon up front I'm trying to think the other one Stevie Clark Scotland manager um, was there also uh, so they had some good players and um, it helped me um, sort of settle in you know but certainly there was a few couple of Scottish boys there as well so um, yeah it was, it was okay it was good um, obviously not long enough to really establish yourself and get set up but obviously the reason for that was just to come uh, round about February yeah, sorry, Tom, just a question about what you were saying about uh, like a few other Scottish lads down there. 
does that help you to settle in? Because particularly you hear maybe the, the likes of players we signed last season, like Barkas, coming to a foreign country, don't know anyone. Yeah. Like, people think footballers are robots and you just move to another place and things happen. Is, does having someone there, you know, a fellow countryman, help you to settle in and maybe want to stay well, at a club? That's a great point. Um, obviously, for some of the players that we have signed uh, and the conditions that they've had to deal with um, just now have uh, been absolutely horrendous. You know, going to a new club, as you say, that Stevie Clark, uh, the Scottish manager now, um, was there. Uh, and so you, you, you could go along with Stevie and, and he could help you settle in. Uh, and, and obviously the language wasn't a problem yeah. as well. The language barrier, the, the culture of things, um, you know, you could settle in very, very quickly. Uh, but seeing what we've got just now and through this COVID experience where you can't get out, to go and you know visit places to get a sense of the, the occasion, even meeting supporters in the streets when uh, which you do in in, in Scotland, um, and 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 that all these things affect and had and help you you, you settle in. Um, uh, to go back, finish training, uh, and then go back to your hotel room. But I, I believe yeah. they probably in the hotel rooms, looking at four walls, just watching television. Uh, it must be absolutely horrendous for some of these lads and. I know that when we, in 97, 98, when foreigners really started to come into us, um, our team, and I was a captain, we, we tried to engage them, but that was like maybe once, twice a week, uh, in terms of bringing them out, going out for a, a game of golf or a, you know, some go-karting or whatever. You know, you try to keep them involved, yeah. but you can't do that during this pandemic, or you couldn't do that during this pandemic. So how they, 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 they go on, and obviously some of them have really struggled. You look at Hatem, uh, El Hamid, who had to leave because of his family reasons, and, and you wouldn't be surprised if, if, if other players were affected through this. Uh, and it must be one hell of a situation for them to, to deal with, missing their family. I know we've got this and the beauty of these things like Zoom, uh, and that is the, the great thing about social media now, that you, know, you can see people and talk to them, uh, but it's still not the same as being somebody in person. So uh, from that point of view, yes, you can certainly appreciate that you know players are human and they can have emotions and, and, and feel these kind of things and missing families and getting in a comfortable scenario. So, yeah, for going to Chelsea, it certainly helped me that we had these kind of lads and obviously that's not the case for, for who we've got around about the, uh, the club just now. And Tom, just speaking about Salik, um, how did that come about? I know that uh, was, there a, was there a deal involved in... Uh, the famous Celtic legend Tony Cascarino. What way did that? What way did that all? What way did that all? I've, I've got to thank Tony. I know he probably. Does. I've got to thank Tony for for, for being rubbish up at Celtic. Um, <laughs> and, and and it's true because if Tony had been successful and scoring in a barrel load of goals, I may not have ended up at Celtic. Certainly not at that time. Uh, because obviously he's a striker, would have been, been, been if he'd been playing well, would have been very successful and uh, and whatnot. So, for that point of view, I'm, I, I was absolutely delighted. But I knew nothing. There was no rumours, absolutely nothing, no 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 hints of um, uh, Celtic coming in for me. And it was only uh, I, I played quite a few games for for Chelsea. Uh, I was left uh, when the team, not that. I was a new, in terms of Ian Portfield coming in, I was like an established player. I wasn't his signing. So um, maybe a, a better player would have been afforded us. So we played quite a few games. I played quite a few games. Uh, but on occasion when we were struggling, they would go for a back three to a back four and the lad be the one getting pulled off. And on a couple of occasions, he left me out and put me on the bench uh, and when, when they were playing back threes. Uh, so, but... The, Towards the end of my time at Chelsea, uh, I was back in the team. We had a victory up at, uh, my last game was a victory up at Anfield at, against Liverpool. Uh, we won 2-1, 2-1, 2-0. on the Tuesday, I'd been playing uh, about five, six games uh, on the bounds. And uh, on, the, on, the, on the Tuesday, or the beginning of the week, I got a phone call from uh, assistant manager or, or, or whoever it was, the secretary, he said to go and meet Ian Porterfield at Stamford Bridge. Well, we never went to Stamford Bridge only in match days. Was, you know, we'd meet at the training ground. Um, I think Harrington was the place. So we'd meet at the training ground uh, for everything. And I was asked to go into the, the, uh, the Stamford Bridge and meet the manager. And I, I hadn't a clue what this is. I thought I'd done something wrong or, or, or whatever. I just, but I'd been playing well on the team. And, 
Uh, just hadn't a clue. And obviously going in and getting the news that um, he was considering, you know, obviously the option, it was up to me uh, if I wanted to go uh, on a swap deal with Tony Cascarino uh, and, and things would just, you know, swap over. Celtic would take that. Now. Well, from that, then you get an inkling that how much that your manager wants you. Um, I, I, as I say, I was playing, played quite a few games and 20 odd games and that time to, to February um, and, and starting games. And uh, so then you, you get an inclination. But obviously the, the, the bigger uh, attraction for myself was, was being a supporter of the club and, yeah. and coming up to, to Celtic. Uh, hopefully, you know, we'd be a wee bit more successful earlier on than what, 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 what I had got. But um, it was, for me, uh, even if, uh, you know, if the manager had got a transfer fee for me, I, I would have still went because I, I, I've, I've been desperate to go and join Celtic uh, no matter what. Uh, and thankfully that, that option came up and, and obviously the options were that I think two things, certainly Tony Cascarino not doing when it was Celtic uh, certainly helped me. Uh, and obviously then if the manager's given you an option that you can go to another club if you want, he says you could stay here and, 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 and if you want it, it's not your problem. Well, I, I a couple of reasons then I said, well, no, that's me off. But uh, more importantly, there was, was, I was going to sell. If it was any other club, uh, I probably would have said no because I was in the team and, and doing well. Um, so if it was any other club, I would have probably said no. Believable. See, when you come to Celtic, early 90s weren't particularly great with Celtic. But um, Tommy Burns comes in and everything changes. The philosophy of the team change, some of the players that we bring in change, and the way that we just generally played football, the, the, the whole mindset of the club, I think, just changed tenfold. What was it like uh, working alongside someone like Dan Burns and the, the sort of respect that you, he had amongst the support and the love that he had with the club? Yeah, um, well, I think you've seen the impact that, that, that Tommy had. You know, he, he, had, uh, uh, he had a bedding in season, shall we say, where nobody wanted to be at Hamden, uh, whilst uh, Celtic Park was getting done up. Uh, and you've seen the impact of a couple of things. The, the, as you say, the passion and what gave to Celtic Football Club as a manager, a player, a, a coach, anything that Tommy would have done at Celtic, he gave with his whole heart and 100%. And uh, we started with, with, with Tommy uh, doing double training sessions and come back and working in shape. And the impact of that, obviously, the following season, uh, by bringing in better players, uh, was showing we losing only losing one league game. Um, mm-hmm. at Celtic Park when we went back there. Um, sadly, didn't win the league that year. Uh, but it was a massive impact, absolutely massive, uh, in terms of what the influence that Tommy had on the team uh, and the structure. Um, and we started to compete under Tommy, uh, and that was the real reason. We also were like, starting to get what was the impact of Fergus as well, where better players were coming into the team. Um, we weren't going, with no disrespect, getting free transfers like Wayne Biggins and guys like that, and Morgan's and all that stuff. And that, you know, big Pierre Van Hoyndonk and Paolo De Canio, guys like that, that, that came into the club. Uh, so we, we were starting to have a, a you know, a, a become of a team that, that, that gave up a, a real challenge uh, in, the, in the, the, the sort of league race, which is what we were, we were hoping for, uh, for all the previous seasons. We had. But uh, I think certainly the impact that Tommy gave. Uh, 100%. The only regret, as I, I, I speak quite often, the only regret that um, I had was that we never won. Uh, when, when I went back in football, was that I didn't win the league for Tommy, uh, for what he gave for the football club as a, as a player, as a fan, as, as, a, as a coach, as a, uh, a role model for so many other people. Um, uh, and just as a decent human being, you know, you, you see what how his face was so important to him. Um, and that, I'm sure that helped him through so many times that, that uh, he made difficult his football career uh, and maybe even his, his private life. So sadly, we didn't do that. But, um, um, yeah, it was a huge change when he left and obviously not being successful of, of, of winning the league. Not, not for the want to try and no, to be fair. They, uh, they were spending blockbuster money on well, some well, of the arguably, arguably, yeah. Rangers, arguably Rangers is best team if you look back and with their history and winning nine in a row. Um, so they had some, they had fantastic players, you know, uh, 
Sierra and Loudrobes and, and Gascoins and and they were very solid defensively usually as well. Um, obviously Andy Gorham was was a fantastic goalkeeper for them. Um, so they had some excellent players uh, through the time and and you know could afford some of them at that time. You know so. It was a, a huge impact, and, and, and obviously that was a kind of team that we were up against. So, uh, sadly, we, we, we didn't quite uh, get to where we were. Tommy leaves, and then Foster were going into the stop the ten season. How did the guys feel when William Janssen came in as manager? Um, um, like any new manager, I think you you give a hundred percent because you're trying to impress him and trying to make sure that you're getting the team. Uh, but I was given. One of my greatest honours, uh, and obviously Paul Stay had uh, retired uh, through injury, um, and the captaincy was up for grabs. So Vim, uh, alongside uh, Murdo McLeod, uh, was his, his assistant, uh, the honour of being the Celtic captain to myself. Uh, and there was no pressure at all, <laughs> I think, of trying to stop Rangers' <laughs> greatest ever team from doing 10 in a row, you know, still... Uh, we didn't quite get off to a good start, shall we say, um, with losing our first two league games. Um, but yes, it was. Um, uh, uh, we we didn't know a, a lot of players, uh, and like most people, we didn't know much about Ben. Um, but we did generally. Once we get, he was trying to introduce this sort of Dutch system with the one striker and the uh, the two wingers type. Um, we, we we were a wee bit maybe not against that with some of the players and how we'd been brought up. But eventually he got his way, and uh, I think he's seen the impact um, once we got over those first couple of hurdles. And once as well, when you look at the signings that were made, the impact of the signings, the, you know, that, that's the kind of signings you want and the impact they have when you look at Burleys who come in, uh, Big Matt Keeper as well, Larson, um, apart from his first pass, and you never forgive them. <laughs> we'll never, we'll never want to let them forget about that. But uh, he, he repaid that millions of times. Before. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, we didn't know too much about him, but um, certainly his philosophy in football and his impact and and what the club was was absolutely massive. And uh, I think for everybody concerned and obviously personally myself and we we'll thank him for coming in giving me the honour of being captain of of, of, of of my club but also when you when you became captain of the club Tom um, was it sort of having players like Larson there and like you mentioned Greg Burley was that sort of did it make you feel a wee bit more relaxed about it that you had some quality players in your team well exactly a lot of people ask you about you know your role as a captain and all the things you've got to do off the park you know it makes it easier uh, being as a captain when you have good players in your team um, when you look back in that team and, and as you say as at, at that time it started to be better with players getting better there could have been quite a few candidates maybe not initially when Vim first came in but as we went on and through that season with the players that came in Big Matt Reaper Alan Stubbs uh, Henrik uh, Paul Lambert you know a, a European yeah, from the previous season, we got for four million. You think of that now. If somebody who's going to win the Europe season, what they would go for? Um, it's uh, yeah, players that come in were coming in quality, but coming in with determination, but also with leadership, uh, and that makes it far easier as a player. If you get these guys at your disposal, then it uh, the, the, the jobs. A lot easier, shall we say, um, once you can get the impact and how they bowl and approach the game and the determination that each of them had. Um, so from that point of view, yeah, being as a captain, it, it, was, it was getting easier as all these players were coming in. Um, so I, I could say that I had an easy, an easy time of it. <laughs> who was the most outgoing player that you had to deal with, Tom, in your captaincy? Who was the absolute... Head case in the um, squad that you had to most sort of try going, sometimes shackle. The most outgoing person was not in my captaincy, it was Paolo Di Canio. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was very, very outgoing. Uh, a great character, uh, but did some absolute um, things that we shall not be able to repeat. And uh, yeah, <laughs> obviously being recorded. Uh, but he was most outgoing. Um, in terms of our time, there's quite a few lads who had. Uh, their moments. Um, uh, Craig Bully was no shy boy, um, like that, and some of the foreign boys as well. So uh, we, we had a good mix and a good blend, and we tried to keep everybody together. 
you know, obviously some of the Scandinavian lads like to go out there themselves at times, which is you know perfectly understandable. You know, players keeping together, um, uh, being able to speak the same language and, and, and be able to come together as I did way back at Chelsea with Studio uh, Clark and guys like that. You know, so it wasn't a problem. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, yeah, there was a lot of uh, outgoing you know, people who uh, just added a little bit of character to to the team. As you were saying, Tom, eh, obviously you didn't get off the best start. We lost the first two games. And then, do you think, I, I remember talking to Dad about that, he thinks the the Liverpool UEFA Cup game would have gave the confidence in the team because he probably should have went through over the two legs that there's a team here that could go places. Yeah, I think, uh, and Simon Donnelly uses that, that game as well. And I think that he's saying there, was, 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 he speaks very highly of that um, game and, and being able to transfer. Ah, that's, there was a game earlier I thought that helped that we, we were... I think we'd lost our first two league games and we were playing St. Johnson. I don't know if it was a League Cup game or the league game where Jonathan Gould made an absolute unbelievable save and we went on to win that game and then that's when we were on a great run uh, with um, obviously winning the, the League Cup um, during that season uh, against the United at, at uh, Ibrox, wasn't it? So that, that, I think that had a huge impact. But also, the that game gave us a lift, but it was the impact of them it was the impact of better players coming into the team as well, enhancing the the, 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 the ability of the team um, with the players coming in, as we're talking about Lamberts and that kind of thing. Uh, so that that guys coming in here, the work that the manager had done uh, was a slow burner, so to speak, because we're you know we were all over the place in the first couple of league games. We started then to build that up, uh, go on a good run, and then obviously um, that that was successful because of uh, winning at uh, Ibrox and, and obviously winning the league. So uh, it was a, a, a few things, certainly games like that, certainly gave us a, a huge deal of confidence. Um, but uh, I would say, obviously, with the impact of the manager and the players that were enhancing the, the, the squad and, and making the squad a lot better, then I, I think that certainly was a, a, a massive impact and a massive reason why we you know, won the league. Every league's so special, obviously, and we've been so lucky the last... Nine years, just we've had a near clean sweep. We've absolutely blown teams at the water. But for you, do you still look back on that St Johnson game? I think you were the last to touch the ball in the, next to the jungle when the hands go all off. Do you just still look back on that with just complete euphoria, thinking what you achieved and the fact you were the captain of Celtic to stop the ten? Yeah, um, and I remember after winning it and John Clark saying, "Why did you not stop it at nine or eight or something?" But I did go and we, we gave it a try, you know. And, and the sense of occasion was obviously massive. Um, um, and yeah, it was a, a fantastic feeling. And look back, as you say, with pride. Uh, and, and firstly and foremost as well, um, being successful uh, as a captain, but being successful with the club and with my, the club's first championship in 10 years, it was mine in about was it five years, six years that I was there at the club before I won the league. Um, so, you know, there's all these things uh, as well that uh, you, you've got to take into consideration. So the, the huge and, and a huge weight off your shoulders um, and actually winning a league championship. And that's what the club was geared to do down the years, uh, how many times we've won it. Um, so it was a, a yeah, fantastic feeling and knowing that uh, we'd have a wee league trophy come the, 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 the photograph, the team photo beginning of the following season. There wouldn't, be, there wouldn't have been nothing there as it had been for quite a few of the seasons that I was there. So, so that was a nice feeling as well that um, you know you were you, 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 you to show a sign that you were being successful with having a wee trophy and the team photo. And was there was there much need of a, a team talk that day before you the pitch? Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I, I, I was saying. Um, looking back, trying to remind them of, of you know the pre-planned. Uh, Dunfermline game uh, when you when you look back oh, in the previous week where week before, yeah. yeah the week before was Simon Donnelly had scored the goal and may have been the, and would have been the guy who stopped uh, scored the goal to stop the ten but we were having such a good time there was fifteen thousand Celtic supporters at East End Park that day in a beautiful sunny day and at half time we we had a wee word with the teammates and thinking well look this is a, an away game surely. We want as many Celtic supporters to see us celebrating winning a league. So let's, let's just lose a goal with a few minutes to go and take it back to Celtic Park. Would that not be a better occasion and a better sense? 
I think I'm havening a wee bit here, guys, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> There's no success, I remember, I remember coming out after the game and somebody said, my boy, you better do it next week. And that was my dad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was a huge amount of pressure and great relief uh, in so many um, ways uh, of, of winning it, uh, against St. Johnston. What was the build-up like going into the last game? Was everyone stressed? No, well, as, as, as boring as it sounds, you just try to keep it as... as Every game, you know what I mean? You try to treat it as the same game. You try to treat it, you come up to cup finals. You try and treat it as the same. You try to, we had a wee night out on the Tuesday. We tried to keep everybody together. Well, let's go and have a enjoy. Let's see what we do. Um, had a couple of drinks and, um, you know, so it's it's tried to be, it's not. Um, obviously it's not. And, and obviously not having won the league for, for 10 years, uh, you know, you speak to your family and all my family support supporters, all my friends, my schoolmates. Um, so when you see guys, you know the importance of of winning a week and especially that that season. Um, so it's how you can deal with these things and trying to keep it as normal as possible uh, certainly goes a long way uh, of, of of trying to cope and deal. And yet. And saying that, you know, there was myself tossing guys trying to organise t-shirts if we were to win it and stuff like, you know, for Snell the Bob and whatever, you know. So, um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so it did take off a little, a, a different tangents, you know. Um, so, but it was great. Um, and, and, and that's, that's when you look at it, you try to just keep it as normal. Um, go do your training, go out for a wee game of golf if you're out. We were allowed there sometimes, managers don't let you know. Uh, but we were allowed, try and play golf, go cart, whatever it be. Um, go, and do, go and do something and try and keep the build up as much as you can possibly be just the same as what you've done and how, how, how you've got to that position. Um, you know, try and do it the same. Then go from that there into the following season. Obviously, there was a wee bit of a transition. How was that? Yeah, um, well, obviously, the, the huge disappointment of the first thing that we've won the trophy in 10 years that we've lo- we were lost for manager. Um, Vim uh, uh, sadly went away um, for whatever reason. I think him and I think it was it Scott Brown just didn't go on. Uh, so Vim decided to leave, uh, and then Doctor Joe came in. Doctor Joe, very intelligent man, very fantastic man. But I don't know if the attitude of certain players were, but the British mentality at times wasn't quite of his understanding how a football player should act at times. Um, and a, a, a very quiet spoken man was Dr. Joe. Uh, and we didn't get the same, uh, obviously, the time you look at the results and stuff of, of, of the players um, that we had that season. And we had, obviously, when, when we when stopped at 10. So it, it didn't go as well um, for, for whatever reason. Players not playing as well um, and it, not, the team not gelling as much. Um, so that yeah, that wasn't uh, it wasn't as good a, a season um, by uh, no stretch of the imagination. What was there uh, one thing he's probably most famous for is bringing in Lobo. What was everyone's thoughts when they first saw that guy? Yeah, I, I think that most people when when you, you again didn't know much of Lobo, uh, but when you seen him in training and, and seen the quality, um, second only in being two footed to myself. You know, what I mean, I was as gifted as. Well. They're <laughs> all laughing there, lads. Um, yeah, um, the most two-footed person that uh, I think I've ever seen play football. Um, so comfortable uh, with the ball, and and he could even trap it with his backside as well, which we see in certain games. Um, uh, he trapped it better with his backside than I could with my feet. You know that was that's how good he was. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he, he was he was an absolute fantastic player, and that was a key thing of Doctor Joe. He certainly knew a couple of players. I think we got. Uh, Johan Mjalby as well I think that season uh, he came in as well um, so he, he, he certainly had an eye for player but Lugo was was very special and uh, obviously utilised in a, an area that um, I think Dr Joe was quite slagged often off for, for playing Lugo as, as a, just behind the front striker uh, but I think that was certainly I think as Martin found out we, we found a way to, to get the best of Lugo by just putting him in there and floating um, to find out what it can be. But obviously getting better players around about as well certainly helps, you know. And obviously the success and what you've done at club level transcends and gets you 
recognition that he deserved and you go away to play in a World Cup. How did you find that? Uh, I, I knew we'd get to that, Martin. I knew we'd, I knew we'd come to that, you know. So We won't talk about the goal, like, we'll, uh, we'll just talk about the experience That was fantastic. Um, obviously qualifying, we're, we qualified in my 50th cap, which was at Celtic Park against Latvia. Um, where um, uh, we went 2-0 and uh, that was a qualification so that was, that was a great feeling great day uh, and then obviously when we got the news that uh, we would be playing Brazil the champions and the opening game at the Stade de France a absolutely magnificent arena for, for football um, magnificent stadium and uh, yeah that was that was something else that was that was extra special uh, and coming off and you know the Scotland team heavily influenced by a lot of uh, Celtic players you know, because of the season that we've had it was certainly within the squad uh, the season that we had had in recognition there's quite a few players actually were within the, the, the World Cup squad so it didn't turn out, obviously, the first game, but um, a wee bit of anti-climax when you look at um, the build-up to the game and uh, knowing that you're playing the champions. We are all dressed up in the kilts, uh, magnificent looking, sweating very profusely um, underneath a kilt, which is not the lightest of things uh, in the heat of France. Um, and the anti-climax was, once we did that and the build-up to the game, we did not come onto the pitch to soak up the atmosphere and the build-up to watch the pre-match performance. Um, we were in a stuck in a room. I'm in a, a room here, but uh, we were stuck inside, as were Brazil, uh, in a room, just training away. So you weren't getting that. That was that was a little bit disappointing. I think they've changed that now. Uh, that was the only thing. And then when you come out, you'll get the Scottish national anthem, you had the Brazilian national anthem, you had the French national anthem. I'm sure there was other songs as well that were played at that time, or tunes. Um, so it's a, you just wanted to get in the start. You wanted to get in there. You wanted to be part of the build-up. And you wanted to get in the start. But we did okay. Um, uh, so much so that um, Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo, absolutely world-class football player, was really struggling to, to score a goal. So I felt I, I just had to have a wee impact in the game and score the <laughs> winner. You know, um, at that time, which is uh, uh, looking back, um, still talking about that. But, but what, what an occasion, you know. There's there's no many bigger games than obviously the World Cup final but in that national stage. It's the opening games is, you know, that everybody tunes in to watch, usually the opening games. Uh, and uh, and I think I'll probably still be remembered to the day. And even beyond now, uh, I'm, I'm immortal now for that for that own goal and scoring a winner for as well. Um, my only defence is I couldn't have done too much against it. Uh, as I say, it's about my control. Lugo can control the ball better. Well, my chest wasn't much better being able to control the ball, and it bounced off at him. And I was hoping Colin Henry had found pace for somewhere that he never had, you know. Uh, but it just <laughs> off the one line, chance you know? of that happening. No, and it just didn't happen, no. You played with some incredible players across a literally an illustrious career. Who was yeah. the best player that you ever played alongside? Not necessarily uh, against, but... It's always a difficult one, as you say, with the players that you played with and obviously longevity comes into that. Um, you know, you look at some of the guys, the, the Canios and, and Roy Donks and, and Cadets and that, but I, I don't consider them because I was only they were only there for about a season or so. Um, so the, the, the guys that I would consider, are, you know, I would, I would consider world class players, uh, and both of them, um, and the two candidates would have been uh, are including Celtic's greatest ever team, uh, and that would have been Paul McStay, um, a world class football player, um, gifted football player, and uh, obviously uh, towards the end of his career. Uh, tarnished as well a little bit with myself, you know, with the players that we had available to us. Uh, and um, uh, Henrik Larson. Um, and I think I've got to give it to Henrik um, for the, the whole package that Henrik was, not just a goal scorer, uh, but he could, uh, he could create goals. Uh, and more importantly, as uh, you know, a, a team captain, you want guys in the forward areas that, that, that work their socks off to help in the defensive situations. Uh, and he was somebody who would certainly do that as well. Um, so, I, 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 Henry, I think, just edges it, edges it for Paul. Was and the two players you just mentioned. Uh, sorry, 
was he as good a guy as he was a player? Um, yes, um, a very determined player. You would say the ultimate professional um, and how he handled himself. Um, could be quite aloof and stay away. Didn't want the football side and uh, you know interfering his private life at times. Um, but you've seen the focus, and I think he, well, I think Brendan Rodgers was one who brought that kind of focus in. Um, of you've got to, you know, almost give one hundred percent. You have to give one hundred percent to the the football side of it. You know, that maybe wasn't the case for us, where we would go and interact with so many things, different things that that, that were involved. And uh, but Henning was was almost purely focused just on football, and I think you've seen the rewards of that. Um, of, of, of where he went, uh, what he did in his career. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's probably I think how most football players now should should act, should behave. Um, and uh, yeah, he certainly was, was was a fantastic role model. I mean, you speak about players like how they should act and how they should behave. Like you just have to talk. You talked about there Paul McStay and Henrik Larsson, um, two players who were obviously very dedicated to the club. Um, yeah. Henrik. You know, there was it was open at the time that there was all sorts of uh, transfers coming in. The clubs were other clubs were looking at them. You think, um, like players now, how do you think the mentality shifted in, in terms of obviously with the money coming to the side of things, but loyalty? Like, you, you yeah, look at players who have left the club in the past. Is, is that a is that a massive thing? Now? It's uh, it has totally changed, and I think supporters know this uh, through the interactions of uh, them at supporters' functions. Uh, and I think, as I say, Brendan is one that, that players, you know, would turn up for functions and just be there for a dinner and just go away without signing any photographs, autographs, and not interacting. Uh, and it's a, a level of dedication I didn't agree with, you know, because I was the one of Tommy, you know, in terms of Tommy Burns would make sure that win, lose, or draw, we would have an interaction with the support and go into the functions. Uh, as difficult as that can be at times, um, when you've lost a game or you had a bad game, um, Tommy would make sure players would certainly attend functions. Now, that's not the case now. Um, for, you know, debatable whether that has any impact on the, the level of performance. Um, but uh, it certainly looked to be the case, um, certainly under Brendan and, and how his team uh, performed. Um, so, you know, to say I'm, I'm right, I, I would prefer it the other way where, you know, support, put, so the players can interact with support at times, signing autographs, doing this, and even for re, having re-signing sessions or, and, and, and meeting sessions, possibly, something like that. But yeah, it has totally changed. Probably changed the day way back when, you know, the, the maximum wage was abolished uh, in, in football, in English football, and that just went off when players then could go to clubs that uh, you know would pay the highest uh, money and obviously you know, that, that, that's changed in the years as you see. I, I don't have any qualms with a player uh, wanting to go and, and, and you know make more money make a living. I'd, I'd done it when I had to leave Motherwell uh, all those years as I was talking about uh, and obviously it worked out for me so I don't have any problems with that. It would have been a very hard push in my time had I decided to leave Celtic. Uh, and my prime, if I were doing that, I don't think I could have done that. But, um, you know, there's other players now that don't have that same uh, level of, of uh, dedication to a club that maybe I had done a year, um, as a Paul McStay would have done as well, uh, that the offers that, that, that he could have had. So, and, and Henrik, when he totally came to the end of his contract. Um, so th- there's a lot to be said for guys like that that do stay around the club. We see Scott Brown as well. Uh, sports guys at the current clubs that, that have been there for, for, for decades. So absolutely fantastic that they can stay at a club given how easy it is to move uh, to a, another club now. And that's another thing way back at the time. It was very difficult at times to get a move when, when a club held your registrations and uh, you didn't have to go unless they said, you can go anywhere unless you say that happened at Motherwell. Um, and Craig, when I, I left and went to Chelsea, Craig Patterson and uh, I think Ali Maxwell were two players who could not play football for months because the club held on. I think they were coming to the end of their contract, the club held out their registration. Now I think from that, I think uh, the player has at times far too much uh, freedom of movement. 
uh, where as you're talking about the loyalty, uh, when it's just loyalty for money rather than uh, giving their all for, 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 for whatever team that they decide are playing for at that time. Just back onto the career, Tom, obviously in 99, Barnes comes in. Uh, I remember the 34th game of the season with the Dodgery. Did things become clear quite quickly that it was going to go downhill? Um, no, um, the, the, obviously John Cameron. I don't think I was going to be part of those plans, you know, given the the, the shape of the team that he was thinking of. Um, played the first few games and I got a back injury, but I was left out in a game that we lost up at Tannadice, I think. Uh, and obviously, that was we were talking about the infamous four-two-two-two kind of formation that, that John was trying to bring in. Um, it wouldn't have worked as it didn't work. I think when you rely on a team in a shape and you've got two guys like Zlubo and Ryan Berkovic who just wanted to go, if they were two of the sitting them the playmakers, but there was a lot of responsibility on the rest of the team to um, do the defending. Uh, too much responsibility rather than get these players in to, to help out. So, um, I've, I've played a few games that season. I had two back operations um, that season. One, my, my final one was in a game we were playing. We beat 4-0 at Ibrox. I'd actually done my knee ligaments uh, in the first half. Um, it was a wee bit sore. Uh, but uh, the, the worst one was doing my back in uh, later on in the game. Um, and that was when I think Kenny had taken over. But, you know, he came in with, with, with the attitude of trying to you know, be an expansive football, but um, sadly it didn't go wrong, but, you know, for, for whatever reason. I, I think ones that are probably possibly explained in terms of uh, the signings that he made. And then uh, followed up by that, um, in came uh, Martin, and things, you could say, escalated very quickly. Uh, yes, um, there was an immediate impact. And, and then, like through when um, Janssen took over, you look at the signings that Martin was afforded and the players that came in that stood around for quite a few years. You know, uh, Chris was an absolutely fantastic player for us. And John Hartson came in, and Alan Thompson, uh, guys like Neil Lennon. You know, you look at the impact that these guys had for our football club, uh, absolutely massive. Um, and, and, you know, we had to at the time, you know, obviously that was the height of Rangers' you know, spending that uh, uh, was well documented. Um, and so that's the reason why Martin came in and, uh, you know, had to go, we had to go and spend, you know, massive amounts of money on these kind of players, probably overspent as uh, if you look at some uh, back in the history, but... Uh, Thank goodness we did because the players that were brought in were, were superb and uh, obviously gave us great success, uh, fantastic success actually uh, through the time in Martin. So um, yeah, great, great impact. You, you know, you, you knew right away when you talked to Martin and the respect that you know most people gave him, um, and he dealt with players and uh, you know very approachable, but a very clever man obviously, um, and uh, knew his football and uh, knew his players. Just as you were saying, obviously Martin was very clever and he was quite astute with the media. Probably people remember his famous line, yeah. Rangers of the Benchmark. Was he saying yeah. that to you guys behind the scenes or was it a completely different message? Um, I, I shall not repeat some of the things that Martin said. <laughs> <laughs> I know having won it uh, that season, I remember going over to a pre-season tour, I think it was Austria or Germany over there. I think it was a German team that played. Uh, and we lost 6-2. Uh, and he went through us, and this is a pre-season friendly, absolutely through us, every single one of us, um, because, uh, you know, the type of performance we put in in a pre-season friendly. So, yeah, he, he, he knew how to handle himself, Martin. He knew how to bring you uh, down a peg or two. He could be very cutting, uh, as you say, and very sharp as well. Um, I think he did train to be a lawyer. I don't know if he certainly got that. So obviously, you know, lawyers know about how to be able to pick things out uh, and words and the impact the words have uh, on people. And, uh, you know, certainly Martin knew how to say the correct ones or time uh, or well to put a, a, an arm around somebody as, as some players certainly needed. We had an, just a phenomenal team back then. And <clears throat> you look at, I think maybe a couple of other signings post that Seville team, and I really think we could have kicked on. And you've seen the impact that Porto had the following season. 
with a couple of mm-hmm. astute signings, I think we really could have taken the club to another level. But you coming to the end of your playing career, 20 years, phenomenal professional, illustrious career. How did you feel with regards to the transition? So I, I've, I've thought about this loads of times when I've spoke to players. You, you go for playing in front of 60,000 fans that literally love you. Now, it might be football fans at the best of times are fickle. Some weeks you might have had a stinker, some weeks you might have had a phenomenal game. But generally, especially with Celtic, there is an emotional attachment to the players. Mm-hmm. If you give everything to them, they'll give everything to you. What's it like when you finish a professional career and that comes to an end? It's difficult to adjust uh, if you've not got something already planned, uh, which I probably didn't as well. Um, uh, it's, it's, yeah, well, for someone like myself, you, you don't want that to end, especially as a club you support. You didn't want to go anywhere. Uh, and but there was no mode, but you do, you adjust, you, you, you get used to it. Uh, it takes a wee while to settle down. Mm-hmm. You've got so much time in your hand and you can go anywhere, do anything. Um, so it's, a, it's a, you would see a difficult transition, and you can understand why certain players decide to stay in the game uh, because it's what they know, and, and uh, there's very few ventured out on the other avenues, um, with the exception uh, of certainly uh, Harold Bratback, who is now an airline pilot. Is, uh, and his time, I spoke to him a few times since he stopped. Um, so you can understand why players do still in the, stay in the game. Uh, but it does. It, it does. There's a lot of spare time. There's a lot of free time. There's a lot of boring time. Um, and that's how you try and find things to do that uh, amuses you or keeps you entertained. Uh, and that's that's a massive part of being able to uh, go along in a normal sense of life. It's no normal because of what you're missing and what you're been playing in front of, but it certainly has uh, a massive change and uh, takes a wee while to get used to. Did the coaching or managing never interest you, Tom? Um, when you look at some uh, reactions of managers these days and legends at our football club and stuff like that, then um, no, I'm, I'm glad I didn't get any management. Um, it was something that didn't appeal to me. I'm, I'm, it was more interested in keeping with my family and, and, and doing those kind of things. Uh, going out for a game at golf whenever you wanted to. Um, the restrictions now when you look at professional uh, managers and whatnot, and even probably back then, it's, it's, it's a full-time job, uh, a 24-hour-a-day job uh, that you've got to be at the beck and call or the club or whatever, anything happening. And that was something that I wasn't prepared to really put myself through. Um, and, and that's the reason, the real reason why I didn't want to uh, get into management. So, uh, and I probably would have been rubbish at it anyway, you know. Um, who knows? Uh, you know that, that kind of thing. Um, judging by what you've seen and what aspect of it, but uh, you know, it's just something that, that, that didn't appeal to me. That I had my career and I had my life, my football career, and as a player, uh, going back into that and, and just trying to, you know, get that same kind of buzz. Then uh, I wasn't, I wasn't really interested in that. And when you're playing with, when you're when you're in the change room of players, is is it evident that there's certain players that you know are going to go on to be to become managers like Neil Lennon um, and his legs? Well, yeah, you would think there are players. There's players that you would think are going to become good managers, and they don't. You know, some of the best players. You, look, you know, for whatever reason, Henrik was one that's not at this moment in time. Uh, I know he's assistant at Barcelona just now, but uh, he ventured on a, on a wee road. Um, uh, you know, Paul Lambert's done okay. I think Norwich was his best, I think, spell getting him up. And he would have thought with his experience and his uh, ability. Um, so, yeah, but Neil obviously been very successful with Celtic. Um, absolutely fantastic. You would have thought these kind of players, more expecting players, certainly would have uh, been on and done things. Um, but you would have thought others, many others, would have been far more successful. But it doesn't quite work out that, that way. As, as you see, some of the best managers... I've ever been um, probably weren't the best players by far weren't the best players so there's no guarantee of that success and uh, what the winning formula is for a manager is I don't know 100% um, and, and just speaking about Neil Lennon and as hard as it is to talk about this Tom like I would just sum up this season like you know the, the whole COVID thing has been discussed and there's been a lot of things happening um, how would you sum this season up well, the, 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 the season's been very inconsistent, shall we say, uh, to say the least. And I think that's the thing that's probably got to us more. There's so many reasons uh, why this season has been very poor. It could have been down to the 
not having supporters there. You know, some players certainly have missed that without any shadow of doubt. Uh, and as I was talking about the impact of some of the signings, for whatever reason, um, haven't had that influence as I, as we had a way back in uh, stopping the ten and Martin's time. You know, the massive impact that they had uh, at that time. So I, I think a number of things, players losing form uh, all at once. Um, was bringing the club down and everybody just knocking us uh, every opportunity. Um, uh, that, that, it's, I think it certainly had its impact. Um, so, yeah, um, sad, sad the way that, it, that it's worked out and how sort of meekly we never really challenged for uh, the league title this season. Uh, it surprised me, put it that way. It surprised me given where we were and where we came from. Um, but uh, hopefully whoever is the next manager gets uh, obviously a new freshness into the team. We shouldn't be in the last couple of games, seem to be doing a little bit better, but we'll see where tomorrow takes us and how uh, we, we go with that one. But uh, yeah, it's um, uh, that's sad to see uh, Neil go because of what he gave to the football club. As you talk about Tommy uh, and the passion that he had for the club, and Neil, you can categorise Neil in that as well uh, as, as a supporter. Uh, and as a player and as a manager, what he gave to the football club, I uh, just wish he, he, he would have been out on a high of, of winning it this year. But uh, uh, it wasn't to be uh, for, as I say, a variety of reasons, but more more, more so the, how inconsistent the, the players were. I think we'd be a fool, Tom, not to ask you. You're an absolute legend of Celtic TV. Uh, the commentary is fantastic. How did that come about, getting involved in that? Um, I, I was just asked by Tom, um, who works at Celtic TV, um, so the guy who works behind the scenes, would, would I like to do it? Uh, and I says, well, I'll give it a wee go. Uh, and these many years later, I, I think uh, I think my passion at times certainly overflows. Um, and my Not at all. <laughs> says I'm a referees as um, well-founded, but uh, I, I think I try to be. Uh, balanced in that criticism um, with what I say. Um, as sometimes may go over the top, but I think it's probably what everybody here thinks yeah. about what decisions, certain decisions that go um, against us uh, for whatever reason they go against us. So, yeah, um, so we'll wait and see where that takes us. Uh, I think I'm on here tomorrow for the, the, the Rangers game. Uh, so hopefully I'll be losing it with joys. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm losing my words as I've done I think was it uh, against Hamill when Scott Brown scored the winner in the last seconds yeah, of the game yeah. when, uh, be in my defence I was having a little bit of a cold and uh, problems I'm like oh, is <laughs> yeah, I don't know I don't know where the words were coming from in fact they're indescribable words uh, and there have been other moments so yeah it's, it's, it's not a bit of fun it's something that uh, you want to do and try and put across the side and you are on Celtic TV. Um, you know, you should be, you know, in favour of your team that is out there and try to give uh, from that side. You know, I try to be as objective as I can. Sometimes that doesn't work out um, with the passion of the club and your team that you support out there and maybe not doing well. It's it's difficult to put that into words sometimes. But it's, it's great. I, I, I do enjoy it. You were talking earlier on about sort of the modern player and how there's a difference. You were saying about how Tommy Burns was always so insistent that you had to have that connection um, yeah. with the with the support. And I was so lucky on quite a few occasions to meet Tommy Burns, and he was an absolute gentleman. Um, mm. And when you look at someone like yourself, I put you firmly in that oak. And when you think about the sort of relationship that you've got with the support, the understanding that you have with the club, um, and that's probably been evident since you've left the club with the work that you've done charitably. I met you on a couple of occasions walking up there, Nevis, and just things that sort of modern players wouldn't even engage with because they would have no much desire, but you're a Celtic fan. Away for just mm-hmm. 90 minutes, what does Celtic, what does Celtic mean to you? Um, it's a bit difficult to put in your words, but it does, it means a hell of a lot. And I think it's grown uh, since I've stopped playing football and been able to go when I, I, I used to take my, my father and my son to every game uh, home and away. Um, uh, that's that's changed uh, just recently, um, so uh, I think as my son's got older, uh, and my father as well. Um, so that that's changed a little bit. Uh, I, 
as as my wife says uh, at times, you, you, I bring everything and talk about it, and it always comes back to football and obviously Celtic. Uh, and I think that would be the same for everybody here uh, in terms of the feeling that you have for the club. Uh, unfortunately, you know, that we, we, we're now not getting players as locally as what we would have had when you think how spoiled we were way back uh, with the Lions and, and the players that were brought up. Uh, within a local area, we have to go spread worldwide to get better players in. But they all should have a connection with the club. I think there should be something that uh, they then understand. And, and most do, you know, whether in meeting, um, you know, the supporters like yourselves doing charity work. Um, and I do remember, Martin, I, I think you were what I was running up that. Ben Nevis, I think you were walking up that. Hang past you about You love me. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, another thing, as you said, continuation. How, how could you say no to uh, a club when you're trying to ask you to do things and, and, and for what our club stood for uh, and its origins? I'll be back at the beginning uh, of trying to help those less fortunate than themselves. Um, it's a magnificent club for that reason alone, as well as the success we've had all down the years. And at times, it's been very trying this season for a lot of people. Uh, we just enjoy what our club is about and, and what we have uh, there uh, and, and what the origins were for our football club. And, and I think that's why if you get a hold of that, if you get a grip of that, then you can't say no to whatever other things that's asked of you. Uh, and as you say, I have a, a good rapport because I'm one of you, so I'm a supporter. Um, I was before my time as a Celtic player. Uh, and I will be um, for my, my lifetime now. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic times. And it means so much to uh, myself. But, uh, and, and as you say, I'm, I'm, I'm even more engrossed in being a supporter because there's a wee period, so maybe your mother, my mother days, where you lose a bit, you know, not being able to go and watch or play for another team and stuff. So so now that my, my focus is fully now on Celtic and, uh, and I love it. It's fantastic. That's brilliant, Tom. If you don't mind, we just normally do a, a bit of a quiz at the end with the guests just to find out more a bit about them. Is that okay? Oh, dear. All right, okay. I thought it was just a general knowledge quiz or something. Ah, that's... <laughs> yeah. Not so much no, a okay. quiz as a bit. Probably how many goals did I score? That's two. The first game is, who was your Celtic hero? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah that's, that's that's good. That's an easy one. I can get that one. That's uh, really... Um, I had a couple. Um, a guy you wanted to be like, but I was never that ability. Um, Jimmy Johnston was you know, wonderful. Stayed just up the road for me. I stayed in a wee village called Broomhouse, and he was in good part, and uh, I wasn't too far away. Um, but being as a defender, um, Danny McGrain was, was fantastic. Uh, great ambassador for, for our football club. Uh, for what he gave like another one for what he gave to for what he still gives well, I see him in match days um, so he was he was one that I could identify with uh, as being his defender but Jimmy I would have loved to have been like but I never had that skill Right that's perfect uh, the second question is who's the most difficult opponent? Um, throughout various uh, degrees and times or, or, or through my career um, you come up against different guys at different times and I, I would say that Motherwell most difficult opponent was uh, Mark Walters who was at Rangers and because he was two-footed and could go either way very tricky very skillful um, I'm trying to get against direct opponents you know so um, I'm trying to think of Celtic would be guys like Brian Lutter. Um, was a Sunday maybe uh, didn't he try and come against them too often directly I think they were all frightened of me that I could handle them you know what I mean so they went to the other sides and other directions um, <laughs> and obviously in my time with, with, with Scotland you, you could say you were talking about that guy Ronaldo who was, who was outstanding uh, and uh, Zidane players like that but wasn't it, I wasn't up against uh, man market I was uh, Somebody else in my mind, but just watching these guys and the ability that they've got. Um, so, yeah, um, there was quite a few of them. The whole list, one of the ones who wasn't a direct opponent, and I thought he was absolutely standing, was uh, when we get battered over in Zagreb, even over here, uh, Prozanecki, when uh, he played for Zagreb, um, we beat him on hill here, and we're seen all over there. Uh, and just the ability of him to be able to keep the ball under severe pressure. Uh, and he's passing the league. Um, he was absolutely fantastic as well. 
And then just so just the final question, uh, it's probably an easy enough one. What's your favorite game? Uh, favorite game would be obviously the St. Johnston game. Um, wouldn't be maybe my favorite game in terms of level of performances, but the significance of being a supporter and the first my first uh, trophy, league trophy as a captain. Um, so that would be my favourite game. Uh, the next one would be pulling on the hips against Airdrie. I know, again, it wasn't a significant problem with everybody else, but for me, you run out in Celtic Park and uh, put the jersey on and put the hips on. And even uh, being happy if it was just the one game, uh, as probably everybody would, uh, would be able to want to do that. Uh, but I stayed around a few, years, uh, a few games later, see what we say. Unbelievable. The, um, I think that's an, that's an amazing bit to stop on the, uh, I don't really think there's much more to touch on you're a club legend you're a gentleman to boot as well and um, we honestly would love to thank you for your time as well you've given us an hour of your time um, more credit to you 304 appearances a captain of Celtic Football Club and uh, a gentleman and a man so thanks again hopefully we get the win tomorrow and um, yeah. we really appreciate your time mate cheers no problem at all and uh, I do hope you go on and have uh, bigger and better guests shall we say um, we, we won't get bigger but we're going to take uh, the game over Fingers crossed, tomorrow goes well. Yeah. Definitely, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Here's one.